Welcome to installment 299 of Sefer Mitzvahs from the Rambam. Today's portion contains two commandments, both relating to taking a mashkin collateral to ensure repayment of the loan. Prohibition number 241 is that one is not allowed to take such collateral from a widow and almana. And prohibition number 242 is that one may not take such collateral from any object which is used for the preparation of food. As we have been discussing the last few days in the laws corresponding in the commandments corresponding to the Rambam's laws of lending and borrowing, we have the concept of a security, a mashkin, which is held by the lender as a security and a guarantee that his loan will be paid back. Prohibition 241 is the prohibition against taking security for a loan from a widow. And this, as the Rambam clarifies in his legal code, applies regardless of the time when you take the security. Even when you first make the loan, you should not take security for the loan if it is a widow who is borrowing the money. The Rambam quotes the Mishnah, which brings the biblical source for this commandment and some details about it. The Mishnah quotes the verse, From the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 24, verse 17, You should not take the garment of a widow as security. And we see, says the, says the Mishnah, from, we see from this verse that the verse does not differentiate between financial status of the woman. As long as she is a widow, we do not care if she is rich or if she is poor. Regardless of her financial status, we should not take security for her loan. The Chinuch explains the reasoning behind this commandment, that it is for two reasons. First of all, it is for the widow herself that since she has endured the loss of her husband, she is broken and she is worried over the loss of her mate, and therefore it is a kindness to her, it is mercy, not to give her another worry that she has to worry about losing her objects if she is unable to pay back the loan. In addition, the Chinuch explains, as he does in many of the, many of the different commandments, that it is for the sake of purifying he who performs the mitzvah, that in addition to the mercy which is given to the widow, it is also to implant in us attributes of mercy, that we should be merciful and that we should be kind. As the whole Torah, the, the, he quotes the verse that the whole Torah is pleasantness and its ways are ways of peace. And we should then acquire these traits in ourselves, in our own behavior. The Rakanti gives an interesting reason for this mitzvah and explains that when someone should, in violation of this law, take security from a widow, the widow's pleas to Hashem, her cries are answered quickly. The Rakanti says that when one person passes away, one of a, of a couple passes away, this soul waits in Gandeid Natachtan, the lower heaven, waiting for its mate to pass away. And while this mate is in, in the heavenly sphere, it still looks upon what happens on the earth. And what happens to its living mate also affects it. If the mate here on earth is happy, then it itself is happy. So too, if the mate here on earth is unhappy and is crying, so too the soul as it is above also suffers. Therefore, if one takes security from a, from a widow and thereby causes her pain and suffering, 
the soul as it is above also suffers, and it cries out to Hashem over the injustice which is being done. And the soul, the soul's request has immediate effect and is immediately heard by God, and He answers the plight of the widow and of her deceased husband, whose soul is observing what is going on here at earth. There is a famous story from the prophets, from Malachim Beis, the second book of Kings, regarding a widow who was unable to pay back a loan. And this story has become immortalized and read in the Haftorah, in Parshas Vayera, every year following the Parshas Akedah, when we read in the Chumash about the binding of Isaac by his father Avram. The story starts that there is a woman a woman whose husband had passed away. And as Rashi explains, she was the wife of the prophet Avadia. Avadia had passed away and left his wife to take care of their children and all of their belongings. And Avadia was always very careful to take care of all the other prophets, and he spent a great deal of money on this, and there was no money left for his own household. Therefore, she had to borrow money and was unable to pay back the money. Her creditor decided that he had to have payment for the loan, and since she had no belongings which he could grab, she would take her two children to be slaves. The widow cried out to the prophet Elisha, the student of Elioah Novi, and asked him to help her. And Elisha asked, What is it you have in your house? Do you own anything? And she answered, All I have is a small jar of oil. And Elisha told her, collect as many vessels as you can and start pouring and filling up the vessels. And from her little jar of oil, she filled, kept filling up vessels. Miraculously, the oil multiplied, the oil increased, and was able to fill up as many vessels as she had. The children kept bringing more and more vessels until finally they ran out. And when they ran out, then the oil stopped pouring. She was able to sell the oil, repay her debt, and with the leftover money was able to live the rest of her life off the miraculous oil which Elisha had brought about through praying to Hashem that Hashem should miraculously provide her with livelihood. We see even in this case, however, as pointed out in Chassidus, that the miracle did not happen just miraculously, totally from above, without cooperation, without some tfisin gashmias, without some physical connection that it should that the, the blessing the miracle should express itself that Hashem did not provide the oil together with the vessels that the widow had to herself provide the vessels and then Hashem and she also had to have at least a jar of oil once she had that then Hashem provided the miracle that the oil should multiply to such an extent to fill up the vessels and the reason is that since Hashem wishes not only to not to break the physical world, but to elevate and reveal the godliness in the physical world, He wishes to preserve its natural constraints as much as possible. And as explained in the works of the Rishenim, that miracles are always minimized. Hashem does only as, as much of a miracle as is absolutely required in order to obtain the desired effect. And therefore Hashem asked, through the Navi, asked her to provide the oil, and her, to, at least the beginning of the oil, and asked for her to provide the vessels, and then only afterwards did the mir miracle occur. Prohibition 242 is the prohibition against taking as security for a loan from anybody anything used in the preparation of food. And the Rambam quotes the Mishnah, 
which which teaches us that anything which is used in preparation of food comes under the purview of this prohibition. As we investigate in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 24, verse 6, that you should not take as security the two types of millstones. In a, in a mill used for grinding flour, there's a rechev, an upper stone, and a rechayim, the lower stone. And one is not allowed to take those as security since they are used in preparation of food. And the verse continues, It's as if he's taking his life as a security. And the Mishnah explains that this comes to teach us that something which is used to sustain his life, these articles which are used in preparation of food, are not allowed to be taken as security. And not only millstones, but anything used in the preparation of food, such as something for grinding or, or kneading bread, or cooking, or even a knife used for slaughtering an animal may not be used as security. Now the Rambam enters a lengthy discussion about a technical issue here. Does this count as one mitzvah or two? The verse says, do not take as security rechayim varachev. Is there one prohibition for the lower stone and a separate prohibition for the upper stone? The, sef, the smag, Sefer Mitzvah Sagodl, counts it as two separate mitzvahs. And the Rambam quotes the pertinent Talmudic statements that if a person takes both, he is responsible for two evaders, one for the bottom one and one for the top stone. However, the Rambam explains that in reality it's only one commandment and proceeds to explain the intention of the Gemara. Let's say, for example, the Rambam says, a person took as security one object which is used for cooking, a utensil which is used for kneading, and another one used for grinding. The person would be transgressing three different commandments. Not different commandments, but would get three prohibitions. The same prohibition three times for taking three different objects. Or let's say, for example, he took security from a widow and from Ruvain's widow, and then took another security from Shimon's widow, and another from Levi's widow. He would get three prohibitions. However, they're all the same prohibition, but just three different times. Now the question is, says the Rambam, if you have a certain utensil, which has two parts, and neither one works without the other, and you take both of them, do you get only one prohibition that since they are both parts of one utensil and one is useless without the other, it's like only one, only like taking one utensil? Or do we say that no, since they are both separate parts, one would get two prohibitions? And this is the intention of the Gemara, the Rambam tells us, that just like if you took something for cooking and something for grinding, you would get two prohibitions, so too if you have two parts of one utensil, one would also get two prohibitions for every part which is taken as security. And therefore there's only one prohibition here, the prohibition against taking food utensils as security. But Although each part is counted as one, there's just one general prohibition. And this is also the explanation of the Sifri, that the Rambam quotes the Sifri, which says anyone who takes two vessels, two utensils, which are both necessary to be used in conjunction for one act of work of preparing food, he is transgressing for every single article, every single separate utensil, which is used to constitute the larger vessel, the larger utensil. And again here the explanation is, not that there's a separate one of the 613 commandments, 
grinds for each part, as it would be for the upper grinding stone and the lower stone. Rather, there's one prohibition, but one is transgressing the number of prohibitions corresponding to the number of parts which he took. And if a person transgresses this prohibition and takes an object, we take it away from him and return it to the owner of the object. And since he is capable of returning it, he does not get lashes. However, should he lose the object, or should it get burned, and he is no longer able to return it, in that case he would get lashes. Which is, and this is also the case in the garment or an object belonging to a widow. It, as long as he can return it, he does not get lashes. But once he can no longer return it, he gets lashes. The details of both these commandments are explained in the ninth chapter of Baba Metziah.